Hey everyone, welcome back to the Missio Podcast. We are continuing our series on the spirit. Uh, by now, most of you all who are listening probably know that I am not an artist, at least not in the tradition traditional sense of like drawing or painting and things like that. I do love art and I love the arts. I love the way that people are able to picture things in their heads and then just kind of create something, sculptures, paintings, drawings, whatever it is that they see, they're able to create it. But there's also like auditory art, like music and comedy, that it's just amazing to me how people are able to artistically express the things that they are seeing or hearing. So much of art is storytelling. One of the fascinating things about visual art, like paintings or drawings, is that both the artist is telling a story through that medium, but also the observer is seeing and interpreting a story as she takes in what is being seen. I like movies. I'm pretty sure you guys are all aware of that. Uh, movies are certainly an artistic medium. There's some people that I like to go see movies with quite a bit. Uh, and we sometimes see these kind of odd movies. One particular movie that we saw about five years ago was the uh, Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. That was a movie that most people had to just kind of like sit with and think about <laughs> after they saw that movie. When uh, the movie ended, my friends and I were asking the obligatory question to one another, like, what did you think about that movie? And we all just kind of said, yeah, I need to sit with this movie for just a little bit to know what I think. It was kind of a rough movie, honestly. But I was actually reading some interviews recently with Todd Phillips, who is the director of Joker. And he said that the overarching theme of the movie is the power of kindness. Now, if you have seen the movie, then you may wonder where the theme of kindness actually exists. But Phillips went on to say that there are other things in the movie, like lack of love, lack of empathy in society, and childhood trauma, and things like that. But the power of kindness really runs through the film. And he was telling the interviewer that he wanted to make a movie about mental illness in society, but that few people would actually watch such a movie. And so then one evening he was sitting at dinner at a restaurant, and across the street he saw this billboard of an advertisement for a superhero movie that was coming out. And he thought, this is how I'm going to make my movie about mental illness, by telling a story about someone that people were interested in seeing, which was the Joker, and then allowing people to see the themes that he was really wanting to communicate, mental illness, and what the power of kindness is able to accomplish in our world if it is actually given the chance to do, do so. A couple months ago, I told you about a trip that my family and I took to see the Hokusai exhibit at the Seattle Art Museum. Hokusai is one of the most well-known Japanese artists, and he has painted numerous incredible works of art. But one of the pieces that really stuck out to me in the exhibit was the uh, 47 Ronin painting, which is a painting that is depicting a scene from a play. Uh, and the, the, the scene that he is painting uh, shows tells the story of the samurai who burst into the Edo mansion of a government official in order to kill him. And there's so much stuff that is taking place in the story of this painting, but it's the story that Hokusai is telling through the painting of this scene. Uh, some of you know that I have a tattoo on my forearm. And this forearm, or this tattoo, is a it's an artistic rendering of a sort of family crest for my family. And so it tells the story of my place of origin and the completeness of our family. Art is storytelling. 
Creativity is this ability to form and make things that tell the stories that help us understand the world in which we live, our values, our history, our beliefs, our hopes, and our dreams, our imaginations. I'm not sure if you've ever been to Missio on a Sunday, then the music that we play before and after is from the album Sanctuary Songs by, by Porter's Gate. And the entire album tells the story of mental health and faith. Music is art that is telling a story. I was with a group of uh, preaching pastors a couple of weeks ago in San Diego, and a friend of mine said that people do not live their lives by points. They live their lives through stories. And this is really hard for me growing up. I didn't really understand this. I would look at things like, uh, say, the Mona Lisa painting, and I would just think, what is the point that, that they were trying to make through this painting? It's this smallish painting of a woman in the countryside. What is the point that it is trying to make? And yet the power of artistic expression and creativity is not to make a single point. So what you look at, Hokusai's, you know, so when, like if you look, looked at Hokusai's painting of a wave, you can go look that up. Uh, but then you could go like, oh, yeah, the point that Hokusai was trying to make is that he figured out how to use a different kind of blue ink. And he wanted some way to show how that, you know, how to use that blue ink. So he painted this wave. I've now figured out the point of his art. That's not what art is trying to do. The power of artistic expression and creativity is that it tells a story that lasts throughout time. The story of Hokusai's wave is about these three boats that are riding this uncontrollable wave in the shadow of Mount Fuji. And we get to kind of ask these questions of the art, like what are the people in the boat thinking about their chances of survival? Or or are they just kind of there to enjoy the ride of nature's power and to experience its beauty? Art, creativity, music, craftsmanship, design, and the like, these are ways that people have in order to tell the stories that they see and that they want other people to know. And this is to me what really makes the creation narrative in Genesis so powerful and important. And it's so often misunderstood by Christians and churches because what we see in the creation story is God artistically creating reality, the physical world and the spiritual world. And then he's filling each of those spaces with beings that are infused with the same spirit of creativity that God has so that the very heartbeat of their existence their artistic rendering would tell the most incredible story ever told. The story of God and his love for and involvement in all things. And the part of this create, creative artistry that we so often miss is the way that God not only infuses his creation with his spirit, but then how that spirit is actually an invitation by God for us to join him in the creation process. This is what we see all over the creation narrative. God invites his image bearers to be his representatives in the world, to be caretakers of his artistic creativity, to extend that perfect creation throughout the entire created order. The design of the garden, it was intended to extend to the entire earth, and Adam and Eve and every human after them were called to be a part of that creation process with God. This is one of the reasons why the spirit was breathed into all living things so that God's design, his creativity would continue to shape and form reality through Adam and Eve. Honestly, this is this is one of the most important roles of the spirit, which is to tell the story of God in all things, to invite us as humans to be co-creators of his story in the world all around us. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 31 uh, today in our teaching. Um, this is a kind 
kind of an interesting story about God's spirit coming on people specifically for the purpose of co-creating that story that God was wanting to tell. There's actually two very similar short passages uh, that tell us basically the same thing in Exodus chapter 31 and Exodus chapter 35. And they often get lost in that narrative story uh, because they're just kind of plopped into the middle of this very long section where God is describing in pretty great detail his expectations for building the tabernacle. And so if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about this idea of God's presence, that the Holy Spirit is the culmination of a series of ways in which God very intentionally chose to dwell with his people. And so God leads his people out of slavery in Egypt. Moses and God are meeting on the mountain, which, you know, remember mountaintops were always viewed as like the first and most natural way that God or the gods would meet with their people. And so God then tells Moses that he's going to have to get off of the mountain to lead these people to the land of promise that he promised to their ancestors, Abraham. And Moses says, that's fine, I'll go, but please, your presence has to go with us. And so after that long encounter between God and Moses, God tells the people to build a tabernacle, which would be able to be moved with the people as they wander and meander their way through the desert to get to the land of promise. And it's within this tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant would be, which was actually the place of God's presence. And so just picture this for just a minute. The tabernacle would be at the center of the Israelite camp because it was the most important part of their journey to the land of promise. The tabernacle itself had three main sections, the outer courtyard where all Israelites were allowed to go into. Then there was the holy place where only certain priests were allowed to perform different ritual sacrifices and things like that. And then there was the holy of holies where only the high priest was allowed into. And in the holy of holies, was the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat, which was where God himself dwelt and that connection between the physical and spiritual world would be united once again. And what's important is to begin to imagine how this tabernacle structure was a place of meeting with the presence of God. It was the dwelling place of God with his people while they navigated their way to the place where they would one day eventually build the temple of God in Jerusalem. And so Acts chapter 25, or sorry, Acts, Exodus chapter 25 through 31, and then Exodus chapters 35 through 40 are these sets of very detailed instructions for building the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, all of the furniture, the candles, the robes for the priests, and countless more things. And it can honestly feel like just this tedious design instructions if we miss these two incredibly important passages about the spirit coming on human beings to give them the gift of artistic storytelling, just like God had. And so I want to read these two passages for you. The first one is Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 through 10. And it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom and with understanding, with knowledge and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, the Ark of the Covenant law, with the atonement cover on it, and all the other furnishings of the tent, the, the table and its articles, the pure gold, the lampstands and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, and also the woven garments. 
both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and, and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests, and the anointing oil and fragrance, fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them just as I commanded you. And then Exodus chapter 35, verses 30 through 35 says, Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom and with understanding, with knowledge and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers and designers, embroiders in purple and blue and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers of all that, all of them skilled workers and designers. You know, so there is a piece of God that I think we sometimes draw attention to, but we often don't fully understand, which is that God is an incredible artist who is constantly and creatively telling his own story to his creation. Last week, Daniel did a great job showing us how to create, or how the creation story, the story of God bringing all things into existence, was really about God artistically showing how all of creation was originally designed to be the temple of God's presence where the physical and the spiritual world would come together in perfect harmony. And humanity got to be a part of the intimacy of God's presence in the garden. And then Daniel showed us this really awesome painting of the forest temple. And then together as a church, we kind of shared these stories of the transcendence of nature. (laughs) And so as I was driving home last week, I remembered a very vivid story of experiencing the awe and power of nature. We were living in Searcy, Arkansas at the time, which for me is like the beginning of most of my inexperience regarding the power of nature. But in Portland, where I grew up, we didn't have things like tornadoes. The closest I had ever been to a tornado in my life was watching the movie Twister from the safety of my couch and my blankie. And so naturally, the first time that we had a very real tornado warning in Cersei, I immediately thought to myself, it looked super easy in the movie. Let's just go chase this tornado. <laughs> so I hop in my Ford Focus and I start driving down the rural farming roads of Arkansas. And I'm sure like right now you can pinpoint some of the mistakes that I made that day. The the first would be the mistake of realizing that when you get on those rural, rural Arkansas roads, there may not be like a turnoff off of those roads for miles and miles and miles. You're just kind of stuck on those roads. But the second mistake was thinking that I was in some weighted down truck instead of what I was really in, which was the lightest or one of the lightest cars that Ford had ever made up until that point. And so those were just a few of the mistakes that I made, but I pressed on to chase that tornado. The sky was angry that day, my friends, like an old man trying to return soup at a deli, but I kept driving. I won't lie to you all, I was terrified, but I pressed on, and as I made my way past the heavy rain and hail, a calm came over me. I don't know if it was divine intervention or the kinship of all living things, but I tell you, at that moment, I was a tornado chaser. That is right up until that massive hail hit my windshield and then I pulled over and prayed like I had never prayed before in my life. But nature is both transcendent and powerful because within it, it holds the story and wonder and power of God. 
And what you see in Genesis is that nature, creation, the earth itself is a part of the artistic storytelling of God, where we see God's temple, the dwelling place of God's presence. When we step into nature, into the forests and mountains, nature itself testifies to the creativity and beauty of God. Which to me is reason enough for us to both love and respect, but also then to care for the story of God as it is being told through nature itself. And what we see in the creation narrative is God inviting humanity into his creativity, into his artistic storytelling to be caretakers of that story. This is honestly why it's so important that God asked humanity, called humanity, to be caretakers of creation. When you read that phrase, to have dominion over all that is created in Genesis chapter 1, God is not inviting us to use up and abuse the earth. He's inviting us to be stewards of his very story that is being told through the trees and the rivers and the air, the mountains, the plains, the deserts, and so much more. You know, any art that has ever been created takes incredible amounts of intentionality in order for it to become what the artist sees and desires. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, after he finished up the show, Seinfeld kind of put all of his old material away, put it aside, forcing himself to create all brand new material. And I remember watching an interview of his and he was talking about how he spent a year going to small little clubs around New York City and Los Angeles testing out new material. And so years ago, I actually looked up some of the footage of those <laughs> of those stand-up bits uh, on YouTube. And some of the stand-up was really, really rough. He would get to these places where he just simply didn't know what to say next, and he would freeze. And I mean, this is Jerry Seinfeld. He's the most successful comedian of all time. And he's standing on stage in some small club in New York City at midnight with nothing funny to say. <laughs> And yet he kept workshopping his craft and he kept honing the new material. Art doesn't just tend to accidentally appear. From what I understand, storytelling requires thoughtfulness to really discover the story that you're wanting to tell and then the best medium through which to tell it. And what I love about Genesis and Exodus is that so much of God's purpose is telling a story in the most vibrant, artistic, and beautiful way possible. And what is unbelievable about God's artistry is that the very artistic creation that God produced becomes the conduit through which more storytelling happens. And so he sees humanity, this, his very creation that he modeled, he modeled to be like himself. And he says, now I want you to go steward my story through creation. This is why people of faith honestly should be the most environmentally aware people on earth. Because the earth holds the story of God that he has chosen to tell about himself and that he has given us to be ter- caretakers of. And we aren't just caretakers of the earth because it's a good idea to care for the earth, which it is. We're caretakers of God's story that is being forever told through all that has been created. But God does not only tell his story through creation, does he? He also tells his story through craftsmanship and the forming of artistic designs through things like the tabernacle. And the question that I always wonder about in stories like this, stories of God giving his spirit of artistic storytelling to guys like Bezalel is, were there just simply no other people who already naturally had the gift of art and design and sculpture and so much more? And the answer is, yes, of course those people existed. We actually see that in the passage that God gave skills to the already skilled craftsmen and women. So what's the point of the spirit then? 
I think there are moments in life where God gives up the storytelling artistry to his own people to allow them to kind of come up with how to tell God's story. Again, we see that in music and art all the time in our world. But then there are other moments where God wants to be in charge of telling his own story. Creation is an obvious example of this, but but so is this moment with Bezalel. I think the purpose of the Spirit was that God wanted his story told his way. And so the Spirit of God and all of his creativity and artistry came upon Bezalel in a way never before experienced in Scripture. So that then what was produced was exactly what God intended. The last verse of Exodus, uh, the 31 passage in verse 11, he says, They are to make them... And all these things he just listed, just as I commanded you. And I don't think this is like an arbitrary command of God, like do as I say or else it's going to be bad for you kind of thing. I think this is God saying, I want my story told the way that I envision it. Now, obviously, God could have just like built all this stuff on his own, right? He formed the heavens and the earth for crying out loud. Why not just like snap your fingers and make it the way that you wanted it, God? I think the reason is because part of the nature of God is found in his invitation of his imagers to be co-creators with him. And see, this is so important. There is a trust that God has in his people to help him create the world that he intended, as it was in the garden. God has always been about inviting people into the storytelling with him because to God, that collaborative, cooperative relationship was always what he was after. From the very moments of creation, God gave up parts of his creation to humanity to be in charge of co-creating with him. And you see that desire and that longing, not just to be near his creation, near his people, but to empower them to build and work alongside God in the nurturing of his story. And what you begin to see is that as we co-create with God, his story then becomes our story as the intimacy of his invitation creates a unity with him that is deeply personal in nature. Let me ask you a question. Do you all have like a favorite tool, favorite instrument, or a thing that is used to create or design or build new things, like a a favorite piano set or a guitar or piano, a family chisel that's been passed down for generations, something that means the world to you that you would not usually allow people to use? What What about part of your story? Part of your story that is sacred to you? Relationships that you have forged? Something that is deeply a part of who you are. These heirlooms or stories about ourselves are deeply intimate pieces of our story that we may not casually or easily allow other people to experience with us. Now, I have never actually had any family heirlooms or things that our family passed down, but there is a spot in Happy Valley, Oregon that is sacred to my story. And that's the Willamette National Cemetery. And there is a spot within that cemetery where my grandfather's military memorial plaque rests. And actually my grandmother, I think is her plaque is right next to his. And so my grandparents, they sit several tiers higher above, keeping watch over my brother's military memorial plaque. This little space of Oregon is deeply important to me and not something that I would just readily invite anyone into because that space carries a part of the story of my life, both the beautiful and the painful parts of that story. You know, obviously I've told parts of that story to many, many people, but never have I invited anyone to go be a part of that space with me. There are parts of our story 
that we are a little bit hesitant to allow other people into. And for various reasons, those remain sacred to who we are. One of the most intimate and personal aspects of the story of God, something that is sacred to his very being, is exactly the thing that he so freely gives to his creation, which is his spirit. His spirit is a part of himself, gifted to humanity in order to further tell his story. And it's a part of himself that we would go, wait, that shouldn't be for everybody, right? That should only be for you or for me or for a couple other select individuals. And yet God says, no, this is a part of me. This intimate, sacred, storytelling, artistic part of myself is not meant for me alone, but rather is now gifted to my people so that they and God, us and God, could partner together to tell his story to all creation. This is the invitation of God to be co-creators of telling his story to the world all around us. And the storytelling comes through more than just words. The tabernacle was filled with candles and furniture and robes and sculptures and paintings and drawings and music and so much more. As God filled the space of his presence, the tabernacle, with countless artistic mediums that would tell his story to the people around him. I mean, think about this. Jesus comes to the earth. He leaves the earth. And what did Jesus do? He sends the spirit of God to dwell within people so that the very presence of God lives in each of us. And as such, the very artistic, creative storytelling nature and power of God sits waiting to be used by each of us. So this is usually in the teaching where I would reiterate my lack of artistic ability. I'm not a painter. I can't draw a stick figure to look like a person. It always ends up looking like a frog. And then I draw a frog and it ends up looking like a hamburger. It's so odd. But artistic expression is more than just drawing and painting. I certainly admire those skills in other people. But what I have come to believe is that we all have artistic storytelling abilities in us. And God wants to use that perhaps untapped potential within us in order to tell a story about himself to the world all around us. And so my question is this, what story is God wanting to tell through what he has gifted in you? What forms of art sit untouched within you? Maybe it's food or visual art, like painting and movies or auditory things like music or comedy or so much more. How might God be using his spirit-enriched creativity in you to tell the greatest story ever told to the people around you. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye, everyone.